advice, but I very seldom follow it. That explains the trouble that I'm always in. Episode 3, Equality versus Individuality. My sister and I were driving home from Nashville to Virginia Beach. She had just moved to Tennessee the year before, and I was driving back with her after visiting for the weekend. For two siblings who fight as much as we do, we spend a lot of time together. About an hour into the trip, she brought up how many of her friends couldn't believe how much we look alike. I was already in a bad mood from something else when she said, Yeah, all my coworkers say we look just alike. I immediately snapped back. Yeah, especially since you started dressing like a boy. And just like that, a holy war was begun. Her Tegan and Sarah-inspired mullet bristled like an attacking wolf. She snapped. I don't own any boys' clothes. I replied, feigning calm. I was with you when you bought those men's joggers. She snapped back. These aren't men's. I'm honestly not sure if she was lying or she was just confused. My sister is like a wild viking when she argues, unpredictable and terrifying. She continued. And what even are men's clothes? I took a brief pause before saying, Men's clothes are clothes with room for a dick. I'm embarrassed that I said dick in front of my sister. We're a private family. We continued, barreling through a half dozen other topics before resorting to mudslinging, character smearing, and swearing off future road trips. Last Friday, I shared this story when I sat down with a friend from high school, Louisa, who's no stranger to this sort of conversation. Louisa works extensively with local social movements, whether raising awareness or raising bail money for jailed peers. And if the social movement isn't Black Lives Matter or the Women's March, it's probably connected to the self-exiled hipster fringe that are, maybe even as we speak, playing spin the bottle to choose which pronouns they'll go by that day. They are the genderqueer, pan, non-gender binary, Peter Pan movement that doesn't want to be referred to as he or she, but rather they or them. I'm reminded, I must say, of the church's annual passion play, specifically a certain part when Jesus is run in with a demon is dramatized, and the demon refers to himself in the gender-neutral plural. We are legion, the demon says. A ten-year-old never forgets that kind of thing. I digress. I explained to Louisa how my sister's solidarity towards genderless fashion was the beginning of a new frustration of mine. I noticed co-workers and acquaintances were suddenly identifying as genderqueer, coming up with the names like Stardust or Venus, and asking to be referred to in gender-neutral pronouns, or at least dabbling. I'd like to be clear, I'm pretty sure there's a distinct difference in those who really feel gender neutrality works for them, and those who are trying it on for trend like a Katy Perry single. I wonder if anyone else has noticed an issue, this sort of rejection of individuality for the benefit of equality. So I asked Louisa if she's noticed this friction between these two ideas. Yeah, um, I think like, I think that the area that I would have like the most perspective on that particular tension would be like between second and third wave feminism. Like there's, um, in second wave feminism, I think actually I might just be talking out of my ass right now, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's all right. That's what I just did for 10 minutes. <laughs> Um, there's like a lot of emphasis on empowerment through kind of like <coughs> aping masculine behaviors and masculine aesthetics. And then um, 
third wave feminism, again, I think, <laughs> is more about like hardcore celebration of the feminine body and mm-hmm. like, you know, everything that that means. So like fully diving into what femininity right. is and celebrating that kind of aggressively in opposition to everything in culture and society that would have you believe that everything that makes you quintessentially feminine is something humiliating and shameful. Gotcha. Um, And then we're kind of like in intersectional feminism or fourth wave feminism or whatever you want to call it, um, which is a lot more like, or or trying to be inclusive of um, trans issues and genderqueer issues. And um, I think the biggest takeaway for me um, about that like the tension between individuality and equality is you can never really tell someone what their experience of reality is um and if you don't experience it yourself then you're really only there to like listen and explore what the issues that they're facing are unless those issues obliterate somebody else's i guess right which is kind of where i think your concern comes in um so like you mentioned specifically like um boys clothes are clothes that would like fit a dick and that's something um that i've been thinking a lot about lately because i don't know if you followed the women's march at all or any of the protests um but like um when i was there there was like this flood of like these pussy hats and they were pink um and there were a lot of trans people in the community who were upset with um what is what is called gender essentialism um which means like equating your gender to your genitalia okay and then there were a lot of women of color in the community who were upset about the fact that they were all pink like only pink pussies matter (laughs) right um and there were a lot of signs, Jeez. like, <laughs> there were a lot of signs with, um, like, uteruses on them, which okay. was, like, another kind right. of gender essentialist thing. Okay. I understand the trans protesters' complaints, especially for working within leftist ideology. I also found it personally relatable. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't taken issue with an artistic depiction of a uterus before. Again, to me this is all completely valid if you are working under that framework of leftist logic, which you would think all of the women, or at least most of them at this march, would be. This seems to be a sign of extensive hypocrisy on the left, to be honest. If they're as open and thoughtful as they advertise, then why weren't their uterus hats rainbow-colored or emblazoned with black uteruses matter? Their paraphernalia incriminates them. Is that how you say it? Paraphernalia? Paraphernalia. I obviously can't speak on it because I've never been a male-to-female trans person, um, but from my discussions and friendships with male-to-female trans friends, um, like, it's really hard to fight your entire life to be recognized as a woman and then to go to an event that's intentionally supposed to be celebrating women and be, like, visually screamed at that you're not actually one. Right. Or that your issues as a woman are not as important as cis women's issues. Right. Um, Yeah. So I think that's where, like, a lot of divisiveness and kind of, like, um, maybe, like inter-fighting can happen it's because like a lot of these women's experiences have been really fraught by like bitterness and feelings of exclusion because like imagine you come to to a place that's supposed to be empowering to you and liberating to you and you get 
told repeatedly, like whether implicitly or explicitly, that you don't belong and that you should start your own club mm -hmm. for your own intersection. Huh. Um, so within that, like I really understand and empathize with, um, I guess the the people that you're talking about who like feel sort of on the fringes of this movement, really wanting to like aggressively like insert themselves. Like I feel that same desire. Yeah. Like within liberal circles, because like. Right. I feel like our causes are the same, but you're like pussyfooting around shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's take a second to appreciate Luisa's use of the phrase pussyfooting to describe certain left circles handling of trans issues. Luisa seemed to be sympathetic towards those desiring to upheave traditional gender roles and representation, as I anticipated. I shared with Luisa my concern over what feels to me like a movement of unshaved hipsters who desire to abolish gender roles altogether. Anytime I've heard my contemporaries talking about gender, it's in a sort of warlike tone. This concerns me as I see gender differences as something to be celebrated and discussed, not disbanded. I asked Louisa if she's felt this sort of climate on the issue or if she's heard whispers of strategies to move towards a genderless society. And if so, if she had any sympathy for that sort of perspective. To which she responded, I don't know if I would say that yeah. there's go so far as to say there is a war on gender, but I also don't read Tumblr that much, and I feel like that's where the <laughs> battleground is for that. Um, um, but I don't really see us progressing towards a genderless society. What I see is like further polarization and homogenizing of like the ultra right Christian conservative view of gender and gender norms, and then either and then kind of like an obliteration on the other side, but I don't, I don't really see one winning out over the other. I just see them polarizing for, further. I understand, um, I guess I understand like people who, who are militantly against gender um, because I mean it is like gender defined is socially constructed, sex is not. So I don't, I don't think um, it's quite appropriate to discuss gender as if it's not real, but it's definitely appropriate to discuss it as if it's socially constructed mm -hmm. and move fluidly throughout that however you and I don't think somebody personally moving fluidly through the gender spectrum invalidates anybody who identifies themselves right. as solidly in one place. Just the same thing with sexuality, like right. somebody being bisexual doesn't invalidate the existence of gay or straight right. people. Um, so I actually struggled with this a lot because like, um, I would identify as I guess like a pretty radical feminist and um, I've thought a lot about gender norms and how kind of fucked up their history is right um but i also really like dressing like a woman and i like wearing yeah. makeup and i like generally like qualities that are associated with femininity i like willingly embrace and i enjoy playing those roles in right. a lot of cases um and i like feel kind of weird about that sometimes like mm -hmm. um and so i kind of just like decided to stop thinking about it and do what makes me happy and right. I think that's what a lot of gender fluid people do as well is like just not really worry about it that much and do what makes them happy. So I feel like that's the society that it makes sense to fight for. Um, and I really don't like kind of like those Maoist struggle circles where like everybody is trying to like out equality each other. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I really don't like people talking shit about political correctness or like equating liberation with like tone policing, I guess, but I don't know. It's all very complicated. <laughs>
as a gay man in a mostly conservative area, my relationship with my gender was pretty turbulent, to be honest. Every spring, my church would have a father-son wiffle ball tournament that I'd feel guilty for not participating in, and even more concerned at the possibility of being forced to participate in. Lucky for me, my dad never took the bait either, and we never signed up, though we came precariously close a few years due to my mother's insistence that I should be made to do it. And to be completely honest, now I really think she was right. I should have been made to do it, but that's another episode. But I did do other church athletic events. Our church was obsessed with athleticism, so there was plenty of opportunity. And it was always humiliating, mostly because I felt like a joke. Like Airbud if he was stressed out all the time and not that great at basketball. All that to say, other people made such a big deal about gender that it made me feel isolated from my masculinity. I wanted to shirk it. And it wasn't until I came to terms with my homosexuality that I fully embraced my masculinity. So I guess I can partially understand those who feel like gender as a system failed them and therefore want to overturn it. Though I don't agree with that last bit. Ignoring traditional gender roles leaves no room for anyone to be special. It forces everyone to be special. And we don't get to acknowledge the truly special ones. Like the animal control lady who looks and dresses remarkably like the late Steve Irwin. I've been able to reconcile my unorthodox masculinity with traditional masculinity by accepting and embracing both the things that connect me with other men and things that make me a different kind of guy. I've found this to be way more beneficial than criticizing traditional gender roles or trying to recreate them. I think redefining masculinity without right. power dynamics is right. really important um, for everyone involved. And I think perhaps gender fluidity is an effort to kind of transcend the power dynamics that exist both in femininity and masculinity. Like, obviously, the feminine is often seen as a submissive role and the masculine is often seen as a dominant role. And I see gender fluidity and gender queerness as, like, wanting to be able to embrace the aesthetic of sometimes the dominator and sometimes the dominated. I understand what Louisa means, but in my experience and in my circles, women are not the submissive ones, generally speaking. And this is in a conservative area. I don't think traditional female gender roles, such as women raising children or running a home, have to be submissive. My mom never seemed submissive when raising us or homeschooling us or running our home. So I don't understand why a biological female would feel like she has to present herself as a man so she can be aggressive and dominant. This seems like a regressive idea to me. To be fair, I didn't bring up this point to Louisa in person. This is something I've thought about since our conversation. Continuing the conversation, Louisa and I started talking about gender roles and how I personally find myself to be pretty dominant socially, but prefer someone else to take charge in other circumstances such as unexpected team sports, filing a complaint to the hotel concierge, or handling hecklers in a movie theater. This is kind of like jumping back a little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we both discussed like how we like to be dominant in one area of our lives and submissive in another one. Right. Um, and I feel like that comes back to the discussion of like individuality versus collectivization. Like, I feel like there are people who are kind of naturally more inclined to define themselves by their external circumstances and people who are naturally more inclined to define themselves by their internal circumstances. Interesting. So I think for the people who like feel radically different from the society around them um, but also tend to identify or define themselves 
by how they relate to the things or people or society around them, there's a really strong urge to modify that society so that they fit in more. Right. Whereas for myself, like, I... I feel very masculine sometimes and I feel very feminine some other times but I don't feel a need to represent that in any way with right. my dress or to make it clear to other people Right. Um, because I, I find myself very like internally defined right this was actually my main takeaway from our conversation Luisa's point that some people such as the both of us are more internally defined than others I'm going to keep this in mind in the future when considering gender identity issues I know this might come out as like condescending or weird. I'm kind of second guessing myself as I say. Perfect. But um, I guess like my relationship to other people matters less to me in my understanding of myself than just my my, oh my relationship God. to myself. I totally relate to yeah. that. <laughs> and yeah. I, and I feel like there are, and, and that's the, kind of the difference between, or that's often discussed in like MBTI and yeah. um, like the difference between introversion and extroversion is like how much you make your decisions and judgments and like overall feelings about things based on internal metrics or external metrics. Yeah. So I totally respect the fight to change the system of external metrics mm -hmm. if you feel like that's something that's really strongly tied to your identity. Right. Um, and I guess maybe that, that might be where like the lack of understanding is. Like I feel like maybe trans people who like, or no, I shouldn't just say like, trans people. I, I, I think that's the difference between like um, gender expression as it relates to power dynamics and the fluidity between those for people who are comfortable navigating the power that's associated with gender without necessarily like changing their gender expression at all according to it or wanting to obliterate the idea of power dynamics being correspondent with gender identity because they don't identify with that cultural expression of it and they and they want to have like a voice right. and a place in society right so I guess the answer to my initial question is complicated. This weird tension between culture groups and equality is based off of a lot of nonsense. But there are some earnest reasons some people might be wanting to shirk gender roles. But I think these kinds of people with genuine reasoning are few and far between. I think the bigger contributor is a movement of millennials who are wanting to establish and mandate peculiarity and uniqueness. The problem is, once you establish the new norm, you're just swinging to the other side of the pendulum. But that's just my half-baked two cents. Before we left, Louisa asked if she could share about a local cause. Would it be okay if I like put a word out about something? I would love that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so this guy named Jian Sheng Chen um, was murdered last Thursday while he was in his car. He was 60 years old and he only spoke two words of English. And he was shot dead by private security in the neighborhood um, of his family that he was visiting. Um, I think it was like five times shot through the window of his car. What? Um, he was like totally unarmed. He was playing Pokemon Go. Um, and like those are the facts of the case right now um, so like I wouldn't go so far as to say it was like a privatized hate crime um, but like definitely the language barrier probably played a really significant role and that particular private security guard wasn't supposed to be armed um, so I and it happened in Chesapeake Riverwalk neighborhood in Chesapeake we're organizing protests against the security company and um, you can visit Hampton Roads Justice Network on Facebook to find out more information if you want to get involved. Yeah, I think 
it's important to deal with those local things that are a little more tangible because mm-hmm. it's easy to get caught up in it's a trap really the international yeah banter that's going on and just it's I don't know like yeah, I think like you're not solving any problems by arguing like what theory is gonna solve the national crisis like right it's just not gonna happen <laughs> yeah no that's great I really appreciate you jumping in to this half-baked conversation I think it was I feel like it was a really great conversation and I hope yeah, to have definitely. more more like this in the future um was there anything else that you I don't think so okay cool well thank you again <laughs> If you have any thoughts on today's episode i'd love to hear it email me at dearreadradio at gmail.com also feel free to submit any questions or subject suggestions and i may feature them on the show next week i'll be back with a new episode thanks for listening will i ever learn to do the things i